Welcome to People's Church Podcast. This morning we're going to, we're going to be talking about having uh, living a life uh, while keeping an eternal mindset. And in order to do that, we need to first sort of try and hone in on who God is. The song is accurate. We can't actually completely grasp God. He's beyond anything we can even imagine. And I know people can imagine some pretty incredible things. But our ability to comprehend God would be equivalent to a toddler trying to understand nuclear physics or an ant trying to understand calculus or me trying to understand calculus. (laughs) I want to read few scriptures together this morning to start things off, and it's just about how majestic God is. Isaiah 40, 26 through 28 says this about him. Look up at the sky and consider who created these. The one who brings out their attendants one by one, he's talking about the stars, summoning each of them by name. Let's just pause there for a second. God knows the name of every single star. You want to take a guess at how many stars there are? There's billions just in our galaxy. And there's billions, if not trillions, of galaxies. And God knows each one by name. Because of God's great strength and mighty power, not one is missing. Why do you say, Jacob, and declare Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My God ignores my predicament. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired or weary. Anybody here tired today? God isn't. His understanding is beyond human reach. Daniel chapter 2 verse 20 through 23 says this about him. God's name be praised from age to eternal age. Wisdom and might are his. God is the one who changes times and eras, who dethrones one king only to establish another, who grants wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those with insight. God is the one who uncovers what lies deeply hidden. He knows what hides in darkness. Light lives with him. I acknowledge and praise you, my Father's God. He's truly and utterly awesome, and I mean that in the full expression of what that word actually means. I know we say a lot of things are awesome these days. God is awesome. We ought to constantly be in awe of his majesty. He is majestic. He is magnificent. He is everything you or I ever do or will need. Am I starting to paint a picture for you? Now let me turn your attention to your outline. The truth is in this life, you're going to serve somebody. Anybody familiar with that Bob Dylan song? You're gonna serve somebody. Not something, somebody. You're either gonna serve God or you're gonna serve yourself. And if you're serving yourself, you're actually serving your enemy, the devil. So in my mind, it's sort of a no-brainer. Serve the God we've been singing about and, and the God that the scriptures reveal or serve myself and the enemy. 
So how do you serve God? This unfathomable God. Well, you put your faith in him. And you learn to allow faith to dictate the direction of your daily life. Faith is not meant to be just a one-time prayer to receive Christ and boom, that's it. It needs to guide your inner and outer world. So let's read together Hebrews chapter 11, 13 through 16. And this passage is referring to many of what we would call the giants of the faith. People such as Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, some pretty big names. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. <clears throat> Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So why should you care about these people and their examples of faith? Well, it's because they teach us how to truly serve and please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Did you know you can please God? The God we just tried to describe? You can please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you can't do it. Nothing you do will please God. You need real faith. And what does real faith cause us to do? Like the ones in the passage we just read together, it allows us to live this life with eternity in view. We see this as temporal. It allows us to live eternally minded. It right-sizes everything that goes on in our lives here on earth. All the storms, all the hurts, all the losses, all the suffering, even all the moments that we would consider good in light of eternity are all fairly minor. <clears throat> the author of Hebrews made this very clear when he said about Moses in uh, chapter 11, verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He chose suffering to suffer alongside his people. So living eternally minded, it makes this life bearable. More than bearable, it makes this life beautiful somehow in the suffering. We're gonna zero in on some guys from the Old Testament this morning, Daniel. You've probably heard that name before, and his three companions, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And we'll start in the book of Daniel chapter 1, where it says, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon laid siege to Jerusalem, and, note this, with God's allowance, he conquered God's chosen people. He ordered that a bunch of young men of Judah's royal and noble families be brought to his royal service after three years of training. So he kidnapped them. Everyone else was probably either executed or taken as slaves. 
Daniel and his friends happened to be of noble blood and were part of the group that were being trained for Babylon's royal service. And I want you to try for a moment and put yourself in their shoes. Everything and everyone you love and care about is taken away from you. Your home, your family, everything. Probably killed, your family's probably killed by this king. And now you're being forced to work for him, to serve him. Imagine that. And as if that wasn't bad enough, he even took away their names. One of the last things that they would have to remind them of where they came from. He had them changed from the names their parents had given them to new Babylonian names. Daniel became Belteshazzar, Hananiah became Shadrach, Mishael became Meshach, and Azariah became Abednego. My kids know them as Rakshak and Benny because they watch VeggieTales. <laughs> we have a VeggieTales devotional. Which story do you guys want to read? Rakshak and Benny. These guys lost everything. If this isn't a situation in which a person could lose all hope, I don't know what is. Anyone here ever felt hopeless before? You can't see a way out, can't see a way through. This is the type of situation that would make it very easy to take on complete bitterness of the heart and soul. That would be the easy thing to do. Every time you saw that king, Nebuchadnezzar, you could justify making plans to get even, how you're going to take him out. You could allow the hatred just to boil over constantly. But Daniel and his friends didn't. While they were probably going through some tremendous grieving, they kept their gaze upward on that invisible kingdom. This caused them to make some very interesting decisions right from the get-go in their, in their captivity. See, the king allowed all of these young men in training to have food and wine from his own personal kitchens. So it would have been the best in the land. It would have been amazing food. Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating any of it, either because it was forbidden by Jewish law, such as pork, or perhaps he didn't want to take a single step towards depending on the king's gifts or favors. But either way, or maybe both, but either way, he wanted to lean on God to provide for his needs. So, he asked the king's chief of staff for him and his companions to be served only vegetables to eat. Any vegetable lovers here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and only water to drink. The chief of staff was hesitant because if they started to look unhealthy and the king found out what they were being fed, he would have had the chief of staff executed. That's how intense this king was. So Daniel then went to the attendant in charge of their food. He kind of skipped the middleman here and made him a deal. He said, if after 10 days on this diet we look any less than all of the younger, uh, other young men eating off the king's table, we'll switch over. Give us 10 days. 
Well, after 10 days, they looked healthier and even better fed. So probably putting on weight than all the others. So it was decided that their diet, that would be their diet from then on. A result of this faithfulness to God was this, rejecting what the king had and choosing God. In Daniel chapter 1 verse 17, it says, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. They didn't have this ability beforehand. They didn't have these abilities. As a matter of fact, the king was so impressed with these four young men that he had them start in the royal service immediately and would consult them. He had all kinds of advisors, but he would consult these four if he had any matter that was serious or needed wisdom. He, he actually found them to be 10 times more wise than all of his other advisors, so it wasn't even close. So what can we take from this? Well, number one, when I live eternally minded, I unlock God's blessing on my life. Had these guys not put God first to provide for their needs, they would not have received these gifts in this way. They would have missed out on God's blessing here. God wants to bless you. Did you know that? He wants to bless you. Is there anything in your life where you're taking the easy or comfortable route? where you're wearing the glasses of the mediocre, the temporal, rather than viewing things through the lens of eternity? On a personal note, it wasn't until I surrendered my musical ability and went all in, using it for God's glory, that I was blessed with this really cool gift where I can hear things in music that I never could before. Each week that we rehearse, and then lead you guys in Sunday morning worship, I'm able to actively hear about 95% of our musicians and singers what each one is doing and pick it out individually. I can just block everything else out and just listen to that one thing. I could not do this before my surrender. And I can't explain how it happened. Other than God gave me the ability. This drives my wife crazy. Because we'll be listening to a song, I'll be like, oh, listen to that bass line. And she's like, what? <laughs> what bass line? I'm like, can't you hear it? She's like, no. <laughs> it sounds like a good song. I'm like, listen to that guitar. She's like, uh-huh. Drives her crazy. When I remain eternally minded, number two, I'm able to exercise my spiritual gifts. So not only will God bless you with spiritual gifts as you walk close with him, he will provide opportunities for you to exercise them or to use them. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar at one time had a very disturbing dream. And he was so shook that he commanded all of the wise men, sorcerers, and astro astrologers, and all of his advisors to gather, except for Daniel and, and his friends in this, in this instance. And he wanted someone not only to tell him what the dream meant, but he wanted them to tell him what the dream was. On pain of death. <laughs> this guy was a little bit of an overreactor, I think. Since no one could tell the king what the dream was, he sentenced all of the wise men in the kingdom to death. So everyone had to die 
because no one could tell this guy what his dream was. Daniel, when he found out about it, he bought a little bit of time. He bought one day before they were all killed. And he and his friends went and immediately prayed to God, the God that we've been describing this morning, or at least trying to, to reveal the dream and its meaning to them. And that's just what happened. Daniel was careful to tell the king who was actually responsible for the interpretation. Let's read Daniel 2, verse 27 through 28 together. It says, Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King, king Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now, I will tell you your, your dream and the visions you saw as you lay in your bed. And he did. He told him what the dream was, and he told him what it meant. I don't have time this morning to get into the dream, but it was an interesting one. King Nebuchadnezzar was so impressed that, boom, Daniel and his friends got an instant promotion. They were put in charge of all kinds of, of uh, top areas in Babylon. And this was the first time that the king began to recognize maybe there, maybe there was something to this God of the Hebrews. Did you know that the moment you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit gives you one or more spiritual gifts? Every single believer gets one or more spiritual gifts at conversion. It's up to you to learn how to exercise it in a way that brings glory to God and helps other people. Sometime later, Daniel's entourage, the three friends, were out minding their own business, or probably the king's business, when the king, I'm just going to refer to him as the king, because Nebuchadnezzar is like that long of a word. So the king, who apparently had so much gold, decided what better way to put it to use than make a gold statue of himself that was nine feet wide at the base and 90 feet tall. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that much gold? But then imagine somebody doing that with that much gold? He called together all the people of his kingdom and he told them to bow down and worship the statue when he had his musicians begin to play a certain tune. Probably the Bob Dylan song. Anyone who, who didn't would be thrown into a giant furnace and basically vaporized. So, they all bowed down when the music started. But guess who didn't? Daniel's three friends who just earlier, as I said, the king had been praising and giving promotions to. So he flipped out. I mean, he blew a gasket. It says he flew into a rage and he demanded that, that they come at once into his presence because he was willing to give them one last chance to bow down and worship his statue. But these guys were not living in the moment. They were living eternally minded. Which brings us to number three, living eternally minded will enable me to exhibit godly responses or wisdom rather than emotional reactions to people and circumstances. They didn't react out of fear or flattery. They didn't even try to match the king's anger, which many might do if, if you were to think about it. If you were about to be uh, executed for such an insane reason, 
you might try to get angry back at him, right? Say, this is ridiculous. I can relate to this one. And this is a weakness of mine that the Lord has revealed and has been working in me. The moment the emotion in a room begins to rise, I'm right there to either meet it or one-up it. Or at least I used to be. He's been doing some cool work in me, like I said. But the three men's response to the king, Daniel 3, 16 through 18 says, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. They're still being polite, calling him your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. The king flew into such a rage that his face became distorted. I have a five-year-old that does that sometimes. He had the furnace cranked up to seven times hotter than it already, already was, and he had the three men tied up and thrown in. It was so hot now that the flames actually killed the men who did the throwing. Shortly after, the king looked into the furnace, and he saw not three, but four people walking around in the flames. Marcel sang, sang about that this morning. And no one was tied up. When he called them out of the fire, only the three, three friends came out, and not a hair on their bodies was singed. Their clothes and turbans were perfectly fine, and they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. When I live eternally minded, I'm able to respond with a godly response rather than have an emotional reaction. The next one, number four, when I live eternally minded, I'm able to keep my pride in check and receive grace when I need it. In chapter four, I really believe that the king had come close to giving his heart to Christ. But there was just one more major thing acting as a block in his life, and it was his ego, his pride, which is something that we all wrestle with. It says that he had another intense dream, which Daniel came and was able to interpret for him again. This was the dream in a nutshell, and I really recommend that you go back this week and read the book of Daniel, if you haven't, or just freshen up on it. It's not a long book. Um, but due to time restraint, I'm having to leave so much detail out this morning. The dream meant that the king would lose his mind for seven years. Like, actually go insane. To the point that he would live out in, in fields with animals, wild animals, grow his hair and I'm sure his beard out until it formed those matted kind of natural dreadlocks and grow his nails out until they were long like talons. In other words, he would, be com he would completely lose any ability or even mental capacity to take care of himself. Oh, and he would also eat grass like an ox. And remember, this was the king of the entire modern world at the time. 
Talk about going from top to bottom. So let's read the moment that led up to this seven-year ordeal for the king in Daniel 4, 28 through 33. It says, but all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. See, I can't even say it. (laughs) King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, this was a year after Daniel had given him the meaning of his dream. He was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace of Babylon. As he looked across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Seven years. Have you ever noticed that God doesn't do anything like small? (laughs) Seven years. At the end of the seven, God restored his sanity as well as his entire kingdom back to him. He didn't have to do that. It's kind of neat. King Nebuchadnezzar, he ends his part of the book of Daniel quite beautifully actually, praising and worshiping the Lord and giving him complete praise and glory for everything that God had done. He went from this man who built the statue and was making people bow down and worship the statue to praising the God of heaven and worshiping him. So the truth is, you may be living eternally minded right now, but your enemy, the devil, is still fighting you hard and he's still coming at you with temptation. And I know for a fact that not one of us in this room is going to bat a thousand. We're not going to nail it. We're not going to be perfect. We might do well at times, but we're not, going to, we're not going to be perfect. But God's grace and forgiveness of sin through his son Jesus is freely given to those who confess. You only need to remain guilty of sin as long as it takes you to confess and repent it. Did you know that? Think about that for one second. You only need to feel guilty or remain guilty as long as it takes you to confess it and repent of your sin. That's it. As soon as you do that, grace. It's gone. It's gone. So I'm able to keep my pride in check and receive grace when I need it. Next, when I live eternally minded, I'm protected from the enemy's schemes. A couple of chapters and a couple of Babylonian kings later, we're going to skip ahead, 
a man named Darius was now sitting on the throne. And he, like Nebuchadnezzar, was also very fond of Daniel. This king also apparently had a weakness in the ego area. And his close advisor, advisors and friends became jealous of Daniel. And they began looking for a way to remove him from the scene. When they couldn't find any fault in him, they used the king's own ego to trap him. Does this sound familiar to you? There was a man named Jesus who went through something very similar. They said, Oh, long live the king. If it pleases you, oh Lord, we recommend you make a decree that no one in all of Babylon pray to anyone except you, oh sovereign king. That's the sound of butt kissing. I think. Well, the king thought that this was a fairly coherent idea. Can you imagine? Like, you're, you pray to me. He thought this was a fairly coherent idea and signed a decree. Anyone caught praying to anyone but himself would be thrown into a, a pit full of lions. These ancient kings were over the top. The fiery furnace, the pit of lions, they didn't do anything half-hearted. So King Darius' advisors, they knew full well that Daniel stuck to a consistent prayer schedule where he prayed to the one true God three times a day with his window open towards Jerusalem, giving thanks and praising him. Every single day without fail. So they reported him to the king. And to Darius's, we'll say, displeasure, he couldn't find a way out of the decree that he himself had signed. So he had Daniel arrested and thrown into the pit. He didn't want to do this, but he had to. It says in chapter 6 that the king was deeply distraught. He refused his regular evening entertainment, didn't have anything to eat that night, and couldn't sleep a wink. He got up very early the next morning and ran to the pit and in, angu in anguish yelled, Daniel, servant of the living God. Interesting choice of words. Was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel responded in chapter 6, verse 21 through 23. Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have, I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Can you believe this guy? Daniel, I mean? I mean, I might have a few choice words with him real quick before we're all buddy-buddy again, but he's referring to him as your majesty and long live the king. Verse 23, it says, The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den, not a scratch found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Protected, I'm, I'm protected from the enemy's schemes. And finally, our last blank, living eternally minded will earn me respect with unbelievers and help my Christian witness. King Darius' response to the whole lion ordeal was this. I decree that everyone brought, sorry, everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is, he is the living God 
and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And this was Daniel 6, 26 and 27. Now obviously uh, King Darius was a little bit overzealous by issuing a decree that everyone worship the one true God as God would prefer each individual person to choose by his own free will or her own free will to worship and honor him. But I truly believe that we will see King Nebuchadnezzar and King Darius in heaven. I truly believe that. All because these four Hebrew men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, continually made the choice to live and remain eternally minded in the midst of pain, loss, suffering, and chaos. How do we do it? How do we remain eternally minded in a world that seems to be getting more stressful, more chaotic, more violent, more divided, and more fear-inducing? Well, you can use Daniel and his friends as an example. A good one. And there are also two key verses that I would really, really like you to consider this morning. The first one being Matthew 5.37. says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Another version says, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So as Christians, if we say yes to someone or something, we ought to be, we ought to follow through. We ought to have that type of integrity as Daniel and his friends did. All you need to say is simply yes or no. It's that simple. Beyond this comes from the, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. The second verse I want you to consider is Matthew 10, verse 16. These are the words from Jesus himself. It says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Another version says, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Daniel and his friends were 10 times more wise than the wise people in Babylon. God calls us to be wise. We're to be in the world, not of the world. Let's stand together. If there's anybody here who's never received Jesus Christ to be their personal Lord and Savior, this is the first step. This is the first step in, in uh, becoming eternally minded. You'll never regret it, I promise you that. And if that's something you want to do today, I'm going to offer you the opportunity to do that. You can pray along quietly with me in your heart. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. You can pray something like this. Heavenly Father, today I'm making the decision to receive your son Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I feel like there's more to this life than just this life. God, I'm choosing by faith to believe that there's a bigger picture, a much bigger picture, an eternal picture. And Lord, I pray that 
as I put my faith in you, you help me to see it and to understand it as, as much as I can. Lord Jesus, I'm choosing to believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you forgive me for every single one now, past, present, and future. And now I can have eternal life with you forever in heaven when I pass away from this life. But Lord, while I'm here, help me to walk close with you, eternally minded. In Jesus' name, amen. And now I'd like to pray for everyone in this room, everyone if you're watching online. Lord, help us to be wise and shrewd as serpents, innocent as doves. As we uh, navigate this world and, and see the opportunities that you provide for us. Lord, to bring you and your name glory and to bring others to you, Jesus. I pray that you give us wisdom and tact as you did Daniel and his friends and help us to constantly be focused with our eyes up in eternity, looking to that heavenly city as best as we can. Because as we discussed earlier, you are indescribable. And yet, you choose to love us personally. You know our names. You know my name. You are amazing, God. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.